0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom, and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure, where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. And for our next stop on this adventure, I am joined by expert physiotherapist Phil Evans. Phil qualified in 2008 with a Master of Science in Physiotherapy from the University of Birmingham and a Bachelor of Science in Sports Rehabilitation from St Mary's College in 2006. He has spent the last 10 years working at Loughborough University Physiotherapy Clinic for treating elite athletes of all sports, as well as being the lead physiotherapist for the Loughborough Students First 15 Rugby Team and the clinical lead physiotherapist for the University Clinic. As well as all of this, Phil has also been involved with the GB Bobsleigh, GB Judo Squad and the Leicestershire County Cricket Club and is currently the head physiotherapist at Solihull School. Now Phil gives us a load of tips and tricks in this podcast and I love that because I love the episodes where you as a listener can literally come away and implement something into your life that you didn't the day before. So really looking forward to getting into this conversation with Phil and just before that I want to say a massive thank you to the two sponsors of this episode. The Essa Chester Half Marathon is one of the most scenic road running events in the UK, taking place on Sunday the 21st of May. If you're looking for a new fitness challenge or new course to conquer, why not head to the historic city of Chester? Celebrating its 41st year, it's one of the UK's longest running and most loved half marathons, with its breathtaking city centre finish. Runners of all abilities are welcome, and it's a friendly and well-supported race hosted in the vibrant north-west. The Esther Chester Half Marathon is hosted the England Athletics Age Group Masters and an amazing spectacle to enhance what is already an incredible race experience. If you can run a 10k, then you can definitely train for a half marathon. For more details on this race and how to enter, head to www.chesterhalfmarathon.co.uk. And of course, secondly, we want to give a massive shout out to Urban Body, where Phil is the lead physiotherapist, and they are excited to be attending the National Outdoor Expo for the second year running. At last year's show, Phil and his team were inundated with active people suffering aches, pains and niggles. The expert physios offered orthotic assessment and created bespoke 3D printed orthotic insoles. Orthotics are proven to reduce or relieve discomfort in the feet by offering additional support in all the right places. To book your on-the-day orthotic assessment and find out how orthotics can help you do the things you love pain-free, simply head to the National Outdoor Expo website, nationaloutdoorexpo.com. And in the top right of the website, you can search for Urban Body. And when you do that and you go to their page, you'll find a link to be able to sign up and book your orthotic session. Or you can simply head to the description of this podcast, where there will be a link, and also on the article on the Outside and Active website, where you can also find the link there. And with that, let's get straight into this episode with Phil. Phil, thank you for joining me on the Outside and Active podcast. It's great to have you in person. We thank are, you for having me. Yeah, we are in Brewdog in Waterloo. That if you've been listening to the podcast before, you'll know that we filmed with Arj before Christmas. His, po- his, his podcast was released just after Christmas, and back in this room. It's nice. Po- uh, Rudock has a slide.
1: Yes. Unbelievable place.
0: We haven't gone down it yet. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> give, give me time.
0: <laughs> there's a bowling alley here. There's, uh, there's all sorts here, um, but we're not, not drinking. We're here to chat about <laughs> um, physiotherapy and fitness and health and how you can be healthy. Um, and I'm really looking forward to chatting to you because I love podcasts where people listening can take something away and, implement it into their life into their routine pretty much immediately from today so i'm looking forward to that and thank you for, for traveling down i'm actually going to kick off this podcast with a piece of advice yep. and it's not going to be a piece of advice from me it's going to be a piece of advice from someone who has been in the podcast recently and is leaving it for someone i don't know who they're leaving it for and it can be about anything so as you can imagine i'm going to ask you for a piece of advice at the end of the
1: yeah, so, it's fine. Yeah, so I'll, right. I'll have a think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've got a word to think. This piece of advice comes from Jamie Ramsey, who is an award-winning adventurer and endurance athlete and he's, he's runs unsupported and solo from all over the world. He did one where he ran 17,000 kilometres from Vancouver to Buenos Aires. Unbelievable. Because, because Why not? Why not? <laughs> and his advice is very simple. You, it's to plan less. Okay. And uh, which just, I guess can be sometimes quite difficult in life, especially when you're busy, family, and, and we'll go into what you do as well, but it's, I can imagine it's very busy. So, how would you take plan less? Is that.
1: So, for me, planning less, um, I think it's very easy to plan everything and try and control your life. And uh, if you were to plan less, you might actually enjoy it a bit more because not everything goes to plan so if it doesn't go to plan a lot of people then get upset um, so if you just have I, I, I have relative loose plans or I plan I find that uh, say a goal or uh, it's easier to plan your five years rather than your first year so you can achieve more than you think in the five years rather than the, the, if you plan straight away for right. this is what I'm going to do in a year you often don't achieve it you go for a bigger plan you'll probably enjoy it and do it over a longer period. So plan less, I completely uh, relate to that. Things happen, things go wrong, you have to adjust. Um, and also being s- spontaneous is quite a good fun as well. And if you plan
0: spontaneity, it's not spontaneous. So, <laughs> yeah, It's like a weekend just going, right, we're not going to do what we usually do, we're going to go do this. Yeah. Can, different, just spice I, it up a little bit.
1: Routine is important, but it's, it can also be
0: a little bit boring. <laughs> very true. So, next question is a question that we ask to everyone who comes onto the podcast, and it's very simple: What do you feel love about being outside and active?
1: Ah, oh, fresh air. Um, I love certainly this time of year. It's it's cold. Uh, I love wrapping up. I love going for walks. I'm not so much um, a fan of the rain, but as long as I've got a waterproof on, let's go. Let's get the dog out. Let's go for walks. Let's go for family walks. It just really helps physically, mentally, clear your head. And I often have the best thoughts when I'm out and about, best conversations with people. Um, and it's great. It's so good physically um, for your body.
0: I'm kind of glad that you said that you enjoy the winter and enjoy the colder months because. I am almost completely the opposite. I I don't mind it, and I can just get on with it, but I'm definitely far more a summer person, and I'm always interested to ask people why they prefer the winter.
1: It's the fresh air. It's so fresh. Have you ever been skiing?
0: I've not been skiing.
1: Okay. So skiing's one of the holidays where, although it's really active, you can really chill out at the same time. You get on that slope. That fresh air hits you. That smell of, of the winter, of the snow, it's just unbelievable. And that's... What I would relate this time of year to, obviously, it's not snowing, but it's that fresh air that hits you, and that you can just go right. It, it's and and also when it's blue sky, the sunsets, the sun rises, the colours, you know, it's beautiful. Do
0: you reckon there's any science behind it? Because uh, big thing is ice baths or cold showers oh, or you know, going open water swimming in the morning, and it's that almost cold shock. Do you reckon it has a similar effect?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I Probably. Uh, there's a lot of research out there now. Um, I think it's a lot of, uh, what's this chap called, Wim Hof. He does a lot of stuff with um, the ice baths, the cold showers, the breathing techniques, the links with um, mental health, depression, uh, and controlling everything. So the breath is really important um, with your diaphragm, with pain, with anxiety. It just opens up so many conversations and so many doors. So, I think the cold air walking is really good. Me standing in the cold, not so much of a big fan of. <laughs> if I'm stood still, yep. it's cold. If I'm moving, I'm all good.
0: Well, we could start, uh, sit and chat about, uh, about the cold weather for a while, but um, let's, let's go into, into you and what you do in your speciality. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you with... I'll ask you I'll ask you to begin with a really simple question that might sound silly. Yes. But physiotherapy is almost it's, I almost see it as like a buzzword. It's it's said all the time. Oh, physio, I'm physiotherapy. I'm, yep. I'm interested in learning about physiotherapy. What actually is it, and how can it help people?
1: Physio as um, a subject is incredibly broad. So when you're at uni, you will learn. we will probably divide it into three different parts. You've got what people would class as physio. Sports injuries, um, what we call MSK, musculoskeletal injuries, okay? So that's what you'd get when you tear your hamstrings, for example, okay? You've got the neuro side of physio, which is your MS, your stroke patients, um, your cerebral palsy, uh, your stroke, all, all those sorts of guys. They need help to improve their function, improve their dexterity, improve their movement, And then you've got the respiratory side. So the people that have COPD, chronic bronchitis, that need help breathing. Um, And so out of uni, you tend to do everything and you do your rotations in the hospital. And then you specialise in whatever whatever area you want to specialise in. So for me, I went straight into um, musculoskeletal because I loved my sport. I had numerous injuries myself. And, you know, that's the route I wanted. That was. It excited me.
0: And you studied, you, studied, you did, uh, your undergraduate and you did a master's as
1: well. That's right, yeah. So,
0: and what were they both in?
1: So my first one was sports rehab at uh, St Mary's College in Twickenham. So that's under the umbrella of um, Surrey Uni. And then I moved back home to Solihull and did my master's in physio at Birmingham.
0: And uh, you just touched on it there, but what, what was it that led you down this path? Was it a particular interest in the topic or is it your personal relationship with it? What really kind of gripped you about this
1: Probably both. I think I was a very keen sportsman growing up as a kid. My whole family are really sporty and uh, with sport, which we'll probably touch on later, we get injured. And we were rugby. You know, the incidence of injury are are probably even higher. Um, And the physio that looked after me was probably the reason why I really went into it. Um, She was phenomenal. She turned, you know, she got me back on the pitch for a start, but it wasn't just that. It was who she was working with, how uh, passionate she was. So she was working with like all the top athletes and going to various Olympics, and she was amazing. And I would, from a 13, 14 year old, going, I think this is what I want to do. And so I was very fortunate to know that from the age of 16, this is what I wanted. I, d- I couldn't be in an office. I couldn't, it wasn't, I was too active. It's all I wanted to do.
0: Just reminded me when you said then about that person that was supporting you was so passionate about it and really, really cared about getting you back onto the playing field. Uh, when you watch sport, whether it be track, football, rugby, cricket, anything, netball, and someone's coming back from an injury, or they're playing their first game, or they scored a goal, or they try? quite often you see them go up to the medical team, or there's a yeah. strong relationship with the medical team, because when you're rehabbing, it's that, such that person's trying to help you get back onto the field healthy way as quickly as possible so i guess i, I just haven't thought about it until now but that that sort of relationship between
1: yeah you get really close to the guys yeah. it's, it's incredibly rewarding and you know some guys have got long-term issues so say that um they've torn uh, a ligament in their knee called the acl which is what michael owen did a number of well, shows my age a while ago <laughs> and it's you know you're looking at around six to twelve month turnaround depending on how much uh, how good the surgery is how much attention you can have from from the medical team so the professional guys get back a lot sooner because they can have physio all day every day your Joe Blogs are looking at a minimum of nine months probably more like twelve months so you you have a really close relationship with these these um, these players these athletes and they they go through all sorts and not just physically the the injury itself isn't always the problem it's the mental side that comes with it it's the all i know is rugby and that's been taken away from me and so uh, uh, and the professional guys as well this is their income this is their livelihood all of a sudden my contracts due at the end of the year what am i going to do and so you you go through uh, a lot of emotions with them and so when they do get back it's it's fantastic yeah
0: i really want to touch on that mental side of things later on in in the second Because it's a massive part of it, like you said. But obviously, being able to put one foot in front of the other and, and take to the field again, or whatever your chosen um, field of play is, is massive. But then, if you're going half-hearted into a tackle, if you don't want to go up to uh, defend a shot in basketball, like that's that's going to be a massive part of it um, as well. And so, I'm really interested to know how you go from being studying and coming out and making a way in the industry to then getting to the point where you're working with some pretty big teams and doing some pretty cool things with your job how does that sort of materialize over time
1: um i think at the beginning i was uh, again we'll talk about that physio that helped me at the beginning um i just wanted to learn everything so i was like i'll help you i will do whatever i volunteer i just wanted to be in in that area so uh uh, initially, a lot of voluntary work and, and and a lot of physios do that still and I think it's really important. You just you, you just need to get out there and as soon as you make those connections, chances are, if you're liked and you're enthusiastic, that's the person I'm going to call to say, can you help me out? So, at the, at, at the beginning, it was, I'd qualified and then I'd just give up my Saturdays um, just to go and help out and to learn. And Is
0: that a local...
1: So I, it was actually at Loughborough University. So she was the the head physio at Loughborough. And so I would then um, go and help her out. And so I'd learn what she's doing. She's gone as long, qualified and very experienced. So you just want to watch. You just want to observe and just to get um, pick up things from them. Um, and then I guess... I was in I was in the I'd meet people and and a, a position came up and I was fortunate to be offered it and off I go. So very early on in my career I'd managed to get into Loughborough University and I was green, you know, I was I was I was young. Yeah. However, the the team of people there so the way it is at Loughborough it's nothing like and, and it is with every sporting place you've got just row after row of beds. And so a lot of people think that they're going to go to a physio clinic and it's just a room. And private clinics, they are, because people want privacy. Athletes don't care, right? <laughs> it, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so because of that, I could then watch four or five over physios tree. Oh, what are you doing? How would do you do that? How would you strap that? And the learning environment was phenomenal, and that's kind of where I learned my trade. So you can learn all the theory at uni, but until you actually get stuck in that's
0: when you learn it learning on the job is it's interesting it almost reminds me a little bit of when you were talking about the, the volunteering of time um i studied I a film and television degree and at university and a lot of my friends went to try and get into the industry but to get into the industry you have to do a lot of running and make yeah. teas and coffee yeah. some of it's paid some of it's not and then you eventually like you said make contacts and start your own journey that way and it almost reminded me a little bit of that so if someone is interested in this field and is studying or just finished studying or almost pre-study. Is that, are, are that a way? I mean, as early as possible. Getting as early as possible.
1: Local, yeah. Local team. Local team um, yeah. Just put a feelers out there. Just go introduce yourself. Like I get CVs and stuff sent to me all the time, but the people that I actually move forward with are the people that have come to the clinic, introduce themselves, shook my hand and said, have you got anything going? Do you need any help? And then you've got that connection straight An email. Great. Like, uh, we're busy people, we don't always respond to them. Yeah. But someone coming in front of me, I will have a conversation and I remember that person because I know what they look like and they, uh, their body language. I know all about them, a bit more about them, should I say. And
0: they're themselves out there as
1: well. They're themselves out there.
0: What's the hardest part about being in this
1: world? Physio world?
0: Yeah. Um... It sounded like I was asking about this world. Yeah, God, where where
1: do we go here? (laughs) Um, So I think now, um, if I relate this to rugby, concussions, medical, legal, it's getting more difficult. Um, There's protocols that you need to follow, which I completely agree with. Are they going to be the same protocols in 10 years? So in 10 years' time, when the protocol you follow right now is very different, and that person's now got a head injury, or whatever it is, they can look back and go, that wasn't right, but there's nothing you could do about it because that's the protocol right now. So it's getting, I'd say, more difficult with rugby because it's so physical, the lad's getting bigger, the tackles are getting more violent and bigger injuries. So that that was um, certainly nothing I was thinking of at the beginning of my career, but as my career's progressed, uh. It becomes more aware because nowadays people get sued, and that's not what you
0: want. <laughs> I can imagine that when you were talking about what physiotherapy is and the different areas that you can specialise in, and what is encompassed in it, you might be dealing with someone who's going through quite a traumatic, either a disease or an illness, and it's not just oh, "I've got a dodgy hamstring; can you help me?" it so I can get back to playing cricket. It's actually Sometimes dealing with someone and, and being compassionate and empathetic, that must be quite difficult at times as well for anyone who's in. Yeah, it's
1: it's you you become part of their world, and they don't understand that it's nine o'clock on a Sunday night, and they text you or whatever, and you just kind of like, that's fine, let's go with that, and we can. But there's the bound. It's very hard to have boundaries when you get very close to these people, even though they are your. Patience rather than your friends, they become friends if you know what I mean. But yeah. there there is a line. Um,
0: so yeah, it's it,
1: it can get full on, and it yeah. does. It did. Uh, I'm I'm not in the sporting world too much anymore, but um yeah.
0: And then on the flip side of that, so many positives. Oh, individuals. So absolutely. Go through some of them.
1: Oh loads of different sports managed to travel quite a lot with various teams I don't know where do I start most of my uh, careers is with rugby so um, if you can work with rugby I'd say a bit biased because it is my favourite sport if you can work with rugby you can work with most sports the amount of different injuries that you get with rugby and half the time you're like I don't know what you've done we're just going to have to watch this and see what happens or we have to get it scanned or whatever so um, great working with such a big team um, then you've got a uh, Individuals like track and field, a different dynamic again. So they you've got for a team of a squad of thirty. They're looking after a rugby to a four hundred meter runner. Yeah. So completely different mindset. Um, the track and field guys are, I probably say, a bit more intense, but they're very focused on what they want to do because it's it's just all of, it's, it's just them um, as a as a team. It's everybody's involved, and you can't have a bad day as a team. You can't with a track and field. So different conversations. Um, Then what else? We just just had um, some great results. Some people getting back from pretty nasty injuries, Uh, and yeah, and very rewarding. So it's um,
0: you're part of that journey with them. Yeah, you're living every every time they they think they're getting back, and it's another step backwards. Yeah, and eventually, when they're back in a place physically and mentally that they need to be and they want to be. Yeah. A lot of that.
1: Yeah, it's coaching them through. You turn into a bit of a coach because recovery's not in a straight line. You're going to have setbacks. It's going to happen. Uh, and it's setting their expectations and coaching them through it. You haven't done it again. It's okay. Like, this is all good. Like, just loads of positive reinforcement and to just plan it out with them. And it's not just all about the physio. It's 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 the coaching team. It's, it's dealing with the strength conditioning coach. It's dealing with the nutritionist. It's uh, the main coaches what can they do right now what can they do basically how much can they play uh, can they run can they pass we need to get them in so there's a lot of communication within a team um, and that was what I really enjoyed
0: So would you say you preferred working in a team environment compared say working with an athlete or does it depend on
1: There's a, there's a team behind every athlete so every athlete will have a coach and that's someone I'll have to deal with or, or not deal with. I'll have to work with every athlete I'll have a strength condition coach. So there's always a team behind them. Um, there's less people to deal with because it's just one athlete yeah. rather than 30 lads who are very different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to ask the question about does you know, from athletics, rugby, cricket, does it change what your kind of focuses are and you've kind of touched on it there in terms of you know, one person, but they've got a team behind them and they they have an off day then, then it's, it's not great compared to a team might have an off day, but is there a particular area that is more unique than the rest or particular sport or discipline is more unique?
1: Um, <clears throat> cricket. Cricket is a team sport, but very individual so uh, that was I worked with Leicester County Cricket for a number of years and so obviously on the pitch it's just them and a bat Uh, and they're very individual they're very focused and there's a lot of emotions with with cricket when they're playing well phenomenal when they're not they're down Uh, there's a lot of money involved a lot of pressure so um, I'd say cricket was uh, very different to the other sports that I've worked with. Really enjoyed it. I wasn't a cricketer. I learned a lot more about cricket. Um,
0: yeah, I'm biased because that's my is it that's my go to.
1: Okay, so can you relate to that? Yeah. yeah, the
0: Mental side of it. I mean, completely what you said there. It's a team sport, but very much based on individual battles. Yeah. So and especially for I mean, people that don't know cricket, but it, the batter, the person who's hitting the ball. It's a a massive mental, not only is it the physical and technical ability, it's a mental thing as well. It's almost like if you, in in netball, if the wing defence is having a a bad game, I guess you can kind of see that they can be absorbed in by a team that might be playing well. You can kind of cover that with cricket if you're that individual person.
1: Uh, you know about it yeah and you've let the team down it's, you can't hide and, and the, the reactions afterwards um, when I first got into it the reactions afterwards when they got out the bat flying through the change room and all sorts of like wow I've seen some of those wow this is this is emotional um, and it happened all the time yeah. so it was it's it's a very um, mental battle I think for cricketers
0: when you see sports professional sports uh players and athletes there are some that are generally or seem to be from an outside perspective just injury prone yeah. they are constantly on the, in the medical room jack wilshire for example if we were to, if I was to in terms of football always seem to be going through different injuries yeah is that a truth is it a myth that if someone is more susceptible to picking up different injuries or if one injury happens, it's more likely to reestablish itself later down the yeah, road.
1: Yeah, there can be a knock on. So, the earlier you have an issue, like uh, if you tell your, if you have a significant injury, say we go back to the ACL, you, you're going to have a little bit of a quad weakness. You, you don't want it to, but it's inevitable that there might be a bit of quad, there might be a bit of hamstring. And if you've got a bit of hamstring weakness, do you develop a hip issue? Develop, It's one big domino effect. So, and some people, it's just their makeup. Everyone's different. So their biomechanics are slightly different. And then if you load that person day in, day out, which the footballers do, you will break and everyone will get injured. Uh, it's just how you look after each, how you look after yourself, which is where you hear about Ryan Giggs doing his yoga for until however long. Ronaldo's in phenomenal shape. So I think there's some genetics where they're, they're just in great shape. Um, potentially they've been looked after and wrapped up in cotton wool. Yep.
0: There's a, m- a lot of money. To
1: base. Yeah, around it's the big around boys. So it's kind of like, we want you playing. Um, so there's some of that. Uh, and then sometimes it's just luck. Yeah. If you get playing rugby or football and you get whacked in the leg from a bad tackle, you're going to snap. It doesn't matter who you are. So some of that is luck.
0: How do, if at all, Major sports athletes and players compared to your average, your average person who's running five k's three times or twice a week or going on dog walks every day. I mean, in terms of how we should be looking after ourselves.
1: So, an athlete, this is their job. So, this is what they do every day. They've got the best people around them to coach them. Uh, and everything's done for them, basically, all their nutrition, they're given food to have, they're told to stretch, they're told. So they have the time because that's all they do. So they've got an advantage. Don't get me wrong, they're incredibly talented. Let's just, let's just box that off. They're, they're talented uh, much more than any other. But then they have the team. You joke Blogs hasn't quite got the talent, but then also doesn't have the time so you don't have time to stretch you don't have time to go to the gym all the time you don't have the team around them where you don't actually know what you're doing the the athlete doesn't necessarily know what they're doing but they're told what to do Joe Bloggs hasn't got the team so that will be the biggest difference you need people around you to coach you everyone does and Joe Bloggs doesn't have that so as soon as you then say right I'm going to go do a 10 miler and you've never done it before you break or for example, that happens. We get that all the time in the clinic. Yeah. Before we,
0: we, we go into talking about you know what the average person could be doing to to support their activity, being outside and being active. I want to chat about urban body? Yeah. What is it? You know, how, where Where's it come from? What's what's uh, what's the aim to support?
1: So Urban Body, we're a physiotherapy clinic. Um, We do a range of treatments, but the biggest message that we do is we we try and help people become more active, more healthy, more mobile. Um, Very different to what my athletes, uh, the age group, my athletes were kind of 18 to 25, maybe slightly older. Nowadays, we're 50 plus. Okay, so the only difference is that the 50 plus are a little bit more worn out that's the only difference the injuries like an injury is an injury it's just the older guys are just a little bit slower so and they've got less time and they're, they're, they're working etc so we help um yeah as i said we help people move uh become more active get back to doing the things that they love whatever that is playing tennis playing golf walking the dog picking up the grandkids whatever that looks like so that's That's what our goal is for everybody. And we do that using different things. So it could be hands-on treatment, if appropriate, like massages and manipulations, whatever. It could be acupuncture. It could be some strengthening, some rehab programming. Um, It all depends what's in front of us. So everybody be individualized to see what the problem is and where we're going.
0: And can you see Particular injury or particular set of circumstances that you, 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 see, you see come through the door, like
1: again, is there any sort of
0: pattern
1: behind it? Yeah. So lots of backs, lots of hips. Mm-hmm. We as human beings now are getting more and more sedentary. Certainly since COVID, um, whether that's because we're just busier, I'm not sure, but I'd certainly say it's increased. So we're sitting for too long we're driving we're in the cinema whatever we're doing we're sat
0: yeah, recording.
1: we're sitting down exactly <laughs> god i should be stood up um and so what that does that will then change um so that will cause your 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 buttocks your lower back your hamstrings to just become a little bit weaker and over time so right now it's not a problem for us if we do this every day it's a problem for us in that might be five years it might be 20 years it will be a problem and that's when it turns into more of a chronic problem and chronic is just an older injury that's taken time. Um, and so they're a little bit slower to recover because it's, it's taken, although people come to us and say, look, this has just happened, what have I done? It's like, well, this has taken 20 years to get to this. It's not just happened. Yeah. So that's what we see a lot of. So to
0: combat that, I guess people listening that are going, oh, "I work? Look. Yep. every day and i'm sitting in office and i have my lunch break but oh, i don't really have an hour i don't go i bring lunch in i go to the fridge and then come and sit at the desk yeah so i'm getting nine hours sitting at a desk every day how yep. can i combat that
1: so um i think it's got even worse now because people are working from home yep. they're not even walking to the car they're not even walking to the toilet it's just a cr- it's just across the room so my advice i give to a lot of people is they're now on the phone a lot. They're now on Zoom a lot because they're working from home. Get a headset. Walk around the place. Go for a walk while you're, Like you're still working, but just have your phone calls whilst walking on the way to walk around the park, whatever it is. Be active. If if that isn't possible for whatever reason, just get something on your, your phone every hour, every half an hour. Alarm, stand up, move around, get a drink, come back. Just move. Um, and that's the biggest thing, like... The, the less you move, the stiffer you become. The stiffer you become, the higher the risk of, of chronic issues.
0: And stretching. Yes. Because, okay, I'm, I've, I've been playing sport for pretty much my entire life and I go to the gym and I'm always, you know, it's drilled into me, you've got to stretch before and stretch afterwards. But is it important to be stretching and looking after your body? Well, one, that being the question, but two, for anyone who even just is working every day, is, there some, is that just such an important yes your body's healthy. yeah
1: so stretching is a part of uh, something we need so stretching will help mobility if we're more mobile our joints are happier the stiffer we are as i said the the uh, the unhappier we are to but if all we do is stretch chances are we'll become stiff again so we always have to stretch if we stretch and combine that with strengthening will probably maintain that flexibility what you gain from stretching so a combination of both um i always um advise so that's why i really like uh yoga classes pilates classes a combination of the two people always ask which is better it, it's just slightly different but they're both if you can go to whichever one you enjoy more just go and so those classes are fantastic for people who um don't want to do anything really active like a Park run, they just want to go and strengthen, um, and it's really social. Like as a community, it's it's great. So that to me, those two things, Pilates and yoga, combine stretching and strengthening, and you'll have a happier body. I have a niche question
0: for people that go to the gym. Yes, uh, and it only cropped up to me, I think, yesterday evening when I was doing what I've been doing and sitting sitting down and scrolling through TikTok, obviously, <laughs> and seeing a video from from James Smith who i've
1: Hmm. yeah 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 Yeah, he's great um
0: and saying because i've always again been told go to the gym and then spend 15 minutes, minutes stretching uh, whatever yeah. and then go and do your gym session and then you spend 15 minutes stretching after he said why would i stretch when i know that i'm going to get more stretching doing if i'm doing squats instead of doing my x weight that i would be doing for working the sets um I would just do a a considerably lighter weight and doing the same movement, which is still going to stretch me, but I'm also still doing that. Is that truth?
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Static stretching, I I like it, but there's a time to do it. Static stretching you do for, uh, and you've got to hold it for longer than people think. That will get you... um, the mobility and the flexibility longer term. If you want to warm-up there and then, a static stretch is not going to do a... It might get you warm-up, but if you were going to squat, get squatting, just do body weight. Just then loosen your ankles whilst doing it, loosen your hips, move. Um, same with uh, running. Do some running drills, do some high knees, do some bounds, do some... This will get everything prepared for the movement you're about to do. If you just stretch and then run, it's, it's not, it's not correlating between the two. And then you increase the weight and so your body's already in tune with, well, that's the movement I'm going to do, then just stick some weight on, or not as simple as that, gradually stick weight on.
0: I promise it's not. I feel like this is turning into a bit of a, 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 count, uh, like a session, physiotherapy, <laughs> physiotherapy session for me. But I'm trying to think of what people would um, would would be issues in their own life, because my flexibility in my hips and yes. uh, Achilles uh, and hamstrings not great, so doing squats and things like that is not... I really have to. I have to play underneath my yeah. foot. So that's yeah. another little tip as well. Yeah. Struggling to get down Absolutely. Get what can I be doing to improve that mobility in the hip flexors and the Achilles and the hamstrings to make sure that I'm healthier and, and you know, I'm not about to snap my hamstrings?
1: So it's working out why. So, why have you got tight hips? And this is something that we always look at every day with our patients. So, if someone comes in like this morning, someone came with a calf tear. And they expected me to treat the calf, okay, which is a normal expectation. But the question was, why have you got a calf tear? The pain and the, the calf tear is a symptom of, of a different cause. So his cause, his root cause was his ankle stiffness. His ankle wasn't moving very well, so his calf overloaded. So you automatically think, I've got to treat the calf. You do. But it will come back unless you address the ankle. So... It, your hip flexors or your tight hip might be for, for numerous reasons but if you need to have a heel raise when you're squatting because of ankle stiffness you will probably need something more permanently for day to day stuff uh, so because you can't have a heel raise that big whilst walking around, <laughs>
0: Walk around the yeah a um, simple question that people will be listening and thinking is okay talked about the injuries and how? How different? How? What causes injuries? But how can we be best looking after ourselves throughout life? But also, if we're being active and running or going to the gym to prevent injury or best prevent injury.
1: Best prevent injury. So, listen to your body. I'd say any sort of niggles. I'm not saying rush to a and e with every sort of niggle, but listen to your body. The amount of injuries that come through the door where they the body's given them a warning sign they've ignored it and then gone and done done it and it's it's tipped over the edge so listen to so listen to your body I'd probably get some sort of a biomechanical assessment because all of us will have our own way of running our own restrictions our own weaknesses if they can be highlighted and you can do something about it your risk of injury is a lot less and then be consistent with training with rehab with strengthening um and have a goal i think because otherwise you don't have a goal you'll just drift along and all of a sudden you haven't done anything you'll get fed up you'll go back to training and you'll, you'll hurt yourself again
0: just develop a bit more on biomechanics I feel yeah. that's another buzzword that people might not fully understand
1: okay so biomechanics is how we move so for example um how we like how our heel hits the floor how much our ankle can then go over our toes how much our knee bends and everyone's mechanics are slightly different some are incredible which is why they're very good at running some are not some are really stiff and they can't run or they get more injuries so we always look at the mechanics of how someone moves how they squat how they do a single leg squat because every time we walk we run we go up the stairs we're basically doing a single leg squat so if you can't perform a single leg squat very well, you're, you're doing that every single step. And so then we will then highlight where the weaknesses is in the hip, the knees, the ankles, and then we, we work backwards. And so we see people that are just got a niggle rather than an injury, and they're the best time that we can make a difference and keep them, keep them running, for example, for a lot longer.
0: So say I've now... I think I've got an injury. It's kind of two questions to this: one, how how can I best identify if I'm injured? Should I be self-diagnosing? And two, what should I what should I be doing about it once I think I'm injured? Not going back out and running.
1: Yeah. So if. So don't get me wrong. You do a hard run, you're going to be sore uh, afterwards. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're injured. It it might be you've got something called DOMS, which is delayed onset of muscle soreness. And so people need to know the difference between I've just got DOMS or I've torn something. So I'd give it a few days. If you're a professional athlete, you can just call your physio and you're going in the next day and they can tell you what's going on. But if you're not, I'd give it a few days. I'd do some stretching. Um if it feels hot and you think you've just torn it I'd get some ice on it I'd protect it um, and I'd offload it I might even strap it and um, just yeah just just give it a rest if it's not clearing up that's when I'd be like I need to yes. I need to see somebody here I
0: have, I have a friend that um, has always been active but it's for a little while and then has just gone back to the gym yeah. and messaged me this morning saying I aches <laughs> everywhere <laughs> everything hurts Need to go. I just, oh, yeah, that's that's the dom's kick. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, especially runners, will know if you've not been for a run for uh, a considerable amount of time, and then you go back out again, your calves will feel it. Your calves. It. I, know, my, I usually get it in my back actually. Lower back, okay. if I've not run for a while,
1: yeah,
0: really have to work.
1: Doms is a real thing. It's when you do a squat session and you can't get on the stairs or get on the toilet and when you fall on it, you can't get off. So it's, it's a real thing.
0: And does that affect professional
1: athletes as well? Um, yes and no. It, it, it shouldn't affect them as much because they do it day in, day out. The guys that struggle with that are they haven't squatted for three weeks and they've tried to do a vomit max. Uh, and that's when they either hurt themselves or their doms are just crazy. So it, 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 they definitely, the athletes definitely get doms but they'll be able to manage it and they'll be able to get a massage there and then and it won't be as much of an issue for them.
0: We always want to encourage people to stay active and, and be active and inspire people on this podcast. Um, but there might be people thinking, oh, well, it's aching a bit more or I'm getting to the point where I can't go out and keep doing this because I'm two years old. How can we encourage people and how can people practically stay active for longer?
1: So... Um, I think people, people come through the door and go, oh, "It's my age," and go, "Yeah, okay." The older we get, the more we're going to wear, and that is there is some truth in that. Gravity is the biggest thing, you know. That pushes us down, that makes us stoop a little bit more, and our joints do wear. But I've got fifty-year-olds that come in stooped over and all sorts of all sorts of pain and um, are miserable. I've got ninety-five-year-olds that come in and bounce in and are the happiest people you've ever seen. So is is age a factor? Yes, but it's not everything. So, if somebody wants to come in, like a 95 year old saying, "I want to start running," great. Is it ideal? Probably not. But he wants to start, and he wants to he wants to keep active, and and that's definitely something I'd encourage. I'd probably say, "Let's try something else." But uh, he he wants to move. Yeah, he wants to move. He wants. He's got a goal, and once you've got that goal, mentally as well, you're just a lot more alert. You're a lot happier. So you know age is a factor but it's not everything um I'll just show you an example of someone else you know, and, and put them together and, and the 95 year old will tell you to get on with it so
0: it reminds me of we had a guest on the podcast called Eddie Brocklesby lovely lovely woman I think she's probably about 82 now and her nickname is Iron Gran and yeah she started running properly at the age of 52 amazing and she I want to say that she is the eldest British woman to run a certain number of ironmans and she's an absolute machine she yeah. put me to shame absolutely and she's taking on the race across america which is a yeah. cycle across america yeah like I said, she's 82 years old and she is she is staying more active than a lot of people so yeah i think age like you said you can it might, might be an excuse and yes there is some truth to it but there's still ways that you can keep active whether it's just taking the stairs and taking yeah. instead of taking Definitely advice there, and and leading on from advice, what's a top tip that you would give me, someone listening, that I can implement today to look after my body in a
1: better way? Well, firstly, move, move. We've covered that. Um, I, I think it's getting consistent and getting into get into the gym. Find something you love. You've got to enjoy it if you just go in there because you think you need to that's why everyone stops in end of Jan beginning of Feb they go to the gym and they just do what they think they need to do the people that carry on they've they've got involved in a class they've met new people they're having coffees afterwards it turns into a real community so go with friends start doing whatever that is that you enjoy whether it's the park runs whether it's a couch to 5k there's some fantastic things out there they can get involved in so, um, definitely start moving and find something that you enjoy. But uh, to stay active long term and to try and prevent injuries, I'd probably get an assessment of someone to say, "I am gonna, I am aiming for a ten k in six months." Can you just have a look at? Is there anything I need to work on? Is there any sort of um, I've got a history of this, my uh, knee pain? Can we? make sure this doesn't come back. So I'd probably put that in somewhere quite early on so we can try and prevent that.
0: So I, I can go and have a physiotherapy session without being injured?
1: 100%. I'll find something. And that doesn't mean doesn't mean you're in pain. I will find something where your hips are tight, for example, your back's tight, we're a little bit weak during a single leg squat, we're a little bit weak. Whatever that is, we will find something that we can improve. Everyone can improve. So it's working out... Where's that restriction? Where's that weakness? This is what we need to do. And, and going from that. So that, they're the best times to do it. Because then hopefully you don't get injured.
0: Preventative measures. Preventative. Preventative measures. I really want to draw out that point that you mentioned about enjoying it. Because it's almost like the magic. Someone, whether they be running or playing a new sport or going to the gym something just I hear people friends say it so often or something I just enjoy it now. Yeah. Just, I had the same thing with running and going yeah. to the gym where instead of going oh, I've got to go for my 5k run oh, I've got to go and do my leg session today which don't get me wrong I still did this morning when I woke up at 6 o'clock and I had to go and do some squats yeah. you never. but when you're doing it you're almost looking I know what it felt like when I got back from my run you never yeah. regret a run you never yeah. regret an exercise yeah. Wish you could almost just the, that. Up.
1: The, the buzz, cool. the endorphin release—it uh, sets you up. Whether that's the beginning of the day, the end of the day, whenever that is. That some people, I, I prefer to work out in the evening. Um, and so, whenever, whatever works for you, your life, your family, um, just get started because it's. And there's people that um, will look at us going, "God, you're weird. You train all the time," or you, you know what you're doing at six a.m. But then all of a sudden they get into it. And they love it. And, you know, as long as you stick at it for a good, probably three, four weeks, it turns into a habit. Yeah, yeah the first three, four weeks are the hardest part. Once you get past that, which is when everyone drops off, it's like
0: that January, yeah,
1: the, the, the January buzz, solutions. yeah, it, it's then just part of your life. It's a routine. It's something you really enjoy. And it's time for you as well, which is really important. Yeah.
0: And the mental, the mental benefits alongside that, like yeah. you said, the indoor rush. Yeah. It's a massive part of it. You know how people say there are superfoods? Are there super stretches? It might not be. Um,
1: there are go to stretches that I give a lot of people. So, because people have got a lot of stiff hip- stiffness in their hips and their lower backs, there's certain exercises that I know would help them. So, stretches like um, pigeon pose, it's a yoga pose, it's really good for stretching your hips and your glutes um and then a basic one like a glute bridge so because as we've discussed already people have sat down all day this really help activates your lower back your glutes your hamstrings um so yeah they're very basic but they will relate to a lot of people people pigeon pose pose. yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um there might not be but are there any myths within this three within physiotherapy within what people think about uh
1: stretching or fitness I would say arthritis. So people have been diagnosed with arthritis and they freak out and think that that is it. I've I've got arthritis now. I can't do anything. Um, And until you actually explain to them that arthritis is just wear and tear, it comes with we wear out. There's different degrees of arthritis and obviously if you've got severe arthritis, you might have to consider a joint replacement But a lot of people are diagnosed with arthritis before they're severe and they think they can't do anything. And so once we educate them as to what arthritis is and that movement's really important, we can't fix the arthritis, but we can offload the the joints. We can make um, everything stronger and healthier and happier. And so, yeah, I I would, even if you've got arthritis, keep moving.
0: There we have spoken a lot about the people getting injured, playing sport and being active. But as I kind of touched on earlier, the other side of that is people that are diagnosed with illnesses that are going to affect their ability to move. And there might, okay, there might be someone listening that's going through that, or they might know someone, a friend or a family member. How does that approach then change? And how can you support yourself or a family member when their body is not working in the way that it's used to and you know it's going down a, a downward trajectory, how can you, I guess it's a similar thing we spoke about with arthritis, you're not going to be able to solve that issue, but you can offload some of the pressure. How how can you support
1: with that? I think everyone's individual, so it's looking at their circumstances, looking at why are they bed-bound, for example, why can't they move, and then just working with what they can do. So it might be as simple as a sit to stand, get out of your chair and sit back down again. That's what we start with. And then hopefully we can progress that as and when. Um, they find it too easy or you know they can move better, whatever that is. Um, so I would I would say definitely seek seek some help. Um, what else? They're the biggest ones. It, it's just getting a tailor made. Program which is physio, so the, the the guys that are bed bound are, you know, you've you've got to have the the drive to to get up and go, and that is where such a little bit the mental side really comes into it because they're the guys that easily give up because they that's it they think I'm in bed now, um, and it's not it's not the end. Guys recover and they recover really well
0: on that mental resilience obviously with this but circling it back in with when someone's injured and they're coming back and or even that process of coming back from injury massive side of it is mental but then actually playing again or getting you know going for that 5k run again how do you support people with trying to tackle that mental deficiency? The injury. yeah so it's a
1: lot to do with confidence and as so a within the the rehab program or the return to play program it will be factored in so it might be that i don't know if we talk about running you're not going to go from i can't run to 5k they'll be right i want you to do one minute on one minute off and gradually build that up um it would be Guys who your rugby players who uh, got tackled in the air and broke their arm, they're probably not going to want to go do it. So we have to do that in training. We have to do some bounds. We have to do some practice stuff, uh, and, and they need to do it to become confident. So it's it's um, confirming from a physio, strength and conditioning coach, you are strong enough, you can do this. It's then fighting them mentally, and you're only going to get past that by doing and you'll start doing in training and then when they get back playing they wouldn't go back for a full game it would be right, you're going to come on with the last 20 minutes when everyone else is knackered because also there's a risk of injury of you play a full game, you'll you tear a hamstring or something because you, you're you not conditioned for, a, you're not game fit, and yeah. it's very different yeah. so it, it's all a gradual process, it's all
0: planning with the team So if I'm transferring that for someone Running there, two, three, four k. Is that then okay? Start with a lesser distance and a lighter load, or uh,
1: I'd even I'd even get on the treadmill. So I'd I'd get on the treadmill. It it runs for you. It's a little bit easier. Um, There's less impact as well. And if you're not feeling it, you can stop. You go for a run, and you're halfway round, and you're like, "Am I going to get back?" so and road running is harder it's harder on your joints you're pushing off it's it's harder on the muscles uh so i tend to get people on the treadmill first and then transition them over to the road and the distance then
0: obviously treadmill for recovery is like you said there is is, uh better i've always had the argument or i've always heard the argument between treadmill running and road running yeah because i just the idea of running of half an hour on a treadmill yep. it's horrible to me yep. but yep. running in the road but then someone going oh I'd much rather be in the warm running in a treadmill in the gym rather than outside yep. is, it like, is, is it quite big of a difference on your knees on your back when yeah it,
1: it will be it does it does for recovery um yes it does but I'm with you I want to be outside I want the fresh air I want the noises I want um the headspace and you don't necessarily get that in a in a gym with loads of TVs around um but some people do love it. So, but it's all short term. It's like just just focus on this for next two weeks. We'll get you back running outside. This is. But people are delighted that they can run, so they don't care. If I say this is what you're going to do forever, I might have a problem. I don't
0: know. Just the idea of the tread, treadmill running is. I just get. I mean, I guess it's good for uh, if you're doing particular intervals. You need to go at a certain yeah. pace in your training.
1: Yeah, you can. there's a lot more things you control can control on a treadmill and there's, there's no curbs to run off and down. There's no cars to avoid. And so when you are just starting running, yeah. it is just run and don't just think about how you're running, not am I going to get run over.
0: That's true as well because some people I know go, oh, I don't want to run next to a road. I don't want to run where okay. you're in a gym with other people watching you. But It can be quite daunting going I'm out and running for the first time. So you know, after my initial... Like Obviously, it's better, to, I think it's better to be outside, but as an introduction, treadmill's the start. Yeah, um, there might not be an answer to this. I feel like I've answered, asked you a load of questions. That I'm like, i like, don't know if there's an answer to this. Go on. Let's talk. Is there, is there something that you can see next five years? It kind of sparked when you talked about having a plan for five years. Um, is there something you can see five ten years that's going to be you no? Know, uh, a new thing or something that is going to change, like you kind of said about uh, concussion rules changing. Is yeah, you can see coming in the
1: future. That- I think the, the the rules on patient welfare is always going to change uh, for the better. Um, but from I'm going to throw this at you, a technology point of view, I don't know whether five years is too soon, too too soon, but I can see um, artificial intelligence coming in. I can see guys with um we already see it now um people playing squash with their um i don't know what you call them the goggles Uh, the vr the VR. yeah so they've got these headsets i think i think watch it i think that will start coming out with individual sports um so they can train and um certainly for recovery so there's no one running at you as such but they might be they might think that and they can react and so i I think that is something that will, will change things quite a lot
0: don't think we actually got to it when we were on the podcast, but when I was recording with Arj, he showed me a video afterwards of when he'd recorded um, a student he was working with that was running for a 60-meter run or 100-meter a sprinter and said, I used to have to go through the slow-mo footage and kind of identify all these little bits and pieces said my mechanics. Now I've put it into this software, which almost pulls it out for me, and yeah. then I review it and then tailor it a, a yeah, yeah. for them. That's I can imagine that's a similar
1: so we've got, we've got a degree of that with our, um, so we do um, orthotics and we've got a 3D camera. Yeah. So we will take a photo of your foot and we'll have all a 3D image of your foot, all the accurate ima- uh, measurements and we just pop that in. We do loads of tests and assessments and then we, we create a bespoke orthotic from that image and from the, um, the tests that we do. So technology is changing all the time uh, and, it, and it's frightening, but amazing.
0: Like that leads us on quite nicely to talking about um, urban body at National Outdoor Expo, yeah. Uh, National Outdoor Expo, which is on the 18th and 19th of March, and you're going to be there.
1: We will be, yeah. Looking forward to it. Do
0: you remember what stand you're on because you looked at it
1: before? G36, said, come G36. and say <laughs> hello. <laughs> you,
0: you can find out more. There's the website nationaloutdoorexpo.com. it's and all the other information about the show. But you guys, what, what, what are you going to be doing there? I mean, you've had you've had.
1: Yeah, so we've been at uh, last year we were at the National Outdoor Expo and that was um, that was great. We've been to the snow show as well earlier or the end of last year um, and so we'll have our 3D printer there and um, and our cameras and what we'll be doing is we'll be looking at people's feet, whether they need it, whether it's suitable for them um, and a lot of the guys we saw last year were uh, avid walkers, lots of walkers lots of runners and there were coming to us with, I've got knee pain, I've got calf pain, I've got Achilles problems, hip problems, whatever that is, can you have a look at my feet? And so we'll be doing assessments to see whether uh, you're suitable for a pair of bespoke orthotics. Not everyone is. So um, if you are looking to prevent things long-term uh, and we can fine-tune things, it might be something that could work for you. And
0: that's, that's like I said, you can, you can see the show website for more information on that, but where can people go? out more about what you do and more about yeah
1: body. come to our, our website is urbanbody.co.uk um our instagram and facebook are urban underscore body so check us out give us a like um and more information about the orthotics there's loads of videos on there and you can see the printer and we've got a, fa- a um uh, fast recording of an orthotic being printed in like 30 seconds it's amazing
0: yeah definitely go and check that out and that'll be in the podcast notes well as the article and yeah thank you so much for for coming in and chatting um like i said i said to you before we started recording i love these conversations where i can learn more which means that people listening will be able to learn more learn things that they might not have thought about before and just be open to this new area that i guess they've heard of but want to know more about and you've, you've spoken about stuff super interesting and things that people can take away. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. But I think you know that there's one thing left. Yes. <laughs> You've been thinking about it since, since we met a brew dog.
1: <laughs> it's actually just popped up.
0: Yeah, got, got it. So I think so. It's, I
1: think so. It's,
0: it's a piece of advice that you will be leaving, as Jamie left for you, you'll be leaving for a guest coming on the podcast in the near future, and it can be about anything. But it's a piece of advice for you that I'll pass
1: on. So I was thinking about what would I tell myself 15-20 years ago a piece of advice and I think I would have told myself not to worry about whatever people think um, it's to pe- people react from other people and, and just be you be comfortable um, and there's always going to be naysayers there's always going to be people saying you can't do it and, and just enjoy it because uh, otherwise it, it, you, you won't and there'll always be a problem. There's always be there's too much mental health out there. And I think the the, the less you care about other people, opinions, uh, the better.
0: Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. I'm sorry about my audio. I don't know why uh, it was cutting in and out. We were recording in BrewDog again, which, like I said in the beginning of the episode... We recorded there with Arj, absolutely fine. So maybe it was just something to do with the why in my microphone. But I hope that you got from it uh, a load of Phil's wisdom. Really, really interesting to hear so many of the points he's made. And it was great for him to be able to come down and record. So thank you to Phil. And again, thank you to the episode sponsors, the S.A. Chester Half Marathon. Go and check it out like i said at the beginning if you can run a 10k then you can train for a half marathon go and try something new or go and try somewhere new for your race and also check out urban body they'll be at the national outdoor expo check out urban body on the outdoor expo website nationaloutdoorexpo.com and grab your ticket if you're not going it's in two weeks time the 18th and 19th of march at the nec in birmingham come and join 20,000 other people who love to be outdoors and love to be outside and active speaking of which go and check out the website outsideandactive.com. there's loads more content on there for you to read and you can also check out the back catalogue of our podcasts that we have on there we'll be back next week with another episode and until that time enjoy the outdoors